Within the Liberal Cube is Movie Monday. Oh, baby. Goddamn jam-packed episode today. I have eight movies. What? That is ridiculous. Something I like to say at the top of every show, and I think Movie Mondays in particular, or particular, is there will be spoilers. Almost guaranteed. So, this is your one. And, most likely, only spoiler warning. Warning! Another thing I like to say, or rather have to say, well, I guess I don't have to say it. Well, why don't I just say it? And you decide. Is that if you like what you hear, the only payment I ask is a million dollars. No, that is ridiculous. The only payment I ask is perhaps... Pass the podcast on to a friend. Thank you for doing so. Preemptive thank you for you. Uh, another thing that helps podcasts grow, flourish, and multiply is if you are to subscribe, rate, and comment on iTunes. iTunes, which we are available on, or else I probably would not have said that, because it wouldn't have made any sense. Today's sponsor is... Hillbilly Teeth Darkening Kit. Once again, today's sponsor is the Hillbilly Teeth Darkening Kit. Are you sick and tired of being a hillbilly and having your hillbilly friends make fun of your relatively white teeth? Well, no more with the Hillbilly Teeth Darkening Kit. Give the illusion of summer teeth. Some are here, some are there. Okay, let's uh, jump right in, because with eight movies, uh, I can't afford to dilly-dally. So I will not dilly, nor will I dally. Actually, dally, I think, makes sense. I won't dally. But dilly, no. Hmm. That's a bit of a dilly-dally, me just talking about dilly-dallies. So I should stop doing so immediately. Talking about Dilly Dallas, that is. Oh, uh, just one final non-movie-related note. I am driving the Mrs.'s car in today. Oh, I don't like it. It doesn't, uh, it's not TARDIS blue, so there's one strike against it. And you sit really low to the ground, and um, then there's the whole pain of having to drop it off, and just not good stuff. She has, let me just put this in perspective too, I have had my current car for four years now and have had zero problems with it whatsoever. This, in the not even one year she has owned this car, is the second time I have had to take it in. She says it's doing something, I forget what, I don't think it's doing it right now. So, long drawn out one there movie, the first, is called The Queen of Versailles, or as sometimes I like to say it, The Queen of Versailles. 
This is a documentary. I think I have two documentaries this week. This is a documentary about one of the richest families in the United States of America. Yes, you guessed it, United States of America. They had, or I guess were building, the largest house in America. Huh, yeah. When the collapse of the, well, I don't know if collapse is the right word, when the economy went poop. Yeah, when it went poop. Well, sometimes going poop feels good, so maybe that's not. When it went belly up, I don't know about you, but I like sleeping with my belly up, so. When the economy did things that were bad. Yeah, yeah, let's just leave it, leave it like that. So they, uh, basically, it's sort of a, not a rags-to-riches story, it's more of a riches-to-rags story. They're never really, I guess, rags, per se. Uh, the queen, or I guess more accurately, the queen's husband, uh, owns the largest uh, timeshare company in the world. So that's how he had uh, amassed this fortune. Total, uh, like, trophy wife. She is 38, 39, 40, somewhere in there. Whereas he is 60, 70, somewhere in there. She has that sort of giant boobs. Giant fake boobs, I assume. Uh, bleached blonde kind of look going for her. Which, uh, I guess could float your boat. Doesn't really float mine too much. I'm more of a brunette dude. Like the missus, for example. Uh, the first thing I thought immediately off the bat was that she was just kind of your typical gold digger. However, once the, the fortune of this guy started to go down and down, and they could no longer build this giant house, and he had to sort of, he had to lay off like a, a thousand people, I think it was, from this company, uh, sell one of his timeshare buildings in Las Vegas, or everyone wanted him to sell it. Just the, you could almost feel the weight of these sort of decisions on this guy, and he was getting stressed out, man, which I don't blame him, because he's losing millions and millions. So I, I thought maybe once he was, he's not in the poorhouse, like that's an exaggeration, but he's not doing an eighth as well as he was, so I thought maybe the missus there would leave him. However, it was almost the opposite, where he was kind of getting sick of her, uh, and she was still uh, in love and wanted to stand by him no matter what. So, I don't know. Interesting. Okay, let's move on to... Oh, I almost forgot to rate. Uh, I did enjoy it, so I'm going to go four, four out of five. It was sort of an interesting uh, take on the financial collapse. It's a side you've probably never seen before. How multi-billion billionaires are suddenly millionaires. <laughs> or hundred thousandaires. Interesting just for the reason that it's it's not a side that we hear of very often. Capiche? Movie the second. Wrong turn. Five. They've made five wrong turns now. The first one, I do believe, was with Miss Eliza Dushku, who I love for her super uh, Whedon-esque acting chops to uh, the fact that she's pretty smoking hot, too. Ah, see, there you go. She's got that brunette uh, cutie pie sexual vibe to her. Wrong turn five. 
so surprising to say, uh, I actually liked pretty pretty good. It was a movie the missus and I watched. Sort of, this is right up her alley as far as she loves the horror slash kind of gory movies, and this is that for sure. She gave it a, eh, it's okay, which, as you know, for her, is a pretty high rating. Uh, my rating, I'm going to go four to five. I actually, uh, it, it's not scary by any means, very gory, and quite a few uh, laughs and the odd pun at a death. So I was enjoying a death pun. So uh, if you are unfamiliar with the Wrong Turn series, uh, it's basically, and I'm, I'm kind of a little fuzzy on previous movies, in the series, uh, it's basically these three sort of inbred, deformed hillbilly guys who terrorize, uh, I think always, yeah, I'm pretty sure always, uh, teens, teens who are out to have a good time, get terrorized and moited. That is your story. Uh, in this one, they did something that I thought was smart and made it from just that sort of typical gory teen massacre into something a little bit different which was the addition of a fourth non-inbred, non-deformed hillbilly. This, uh, this hillbilly dude was sort of a combination of Hannibal Lecter meets, um, uh, you know what, not even meets. <laughs> just, just a combination of Hannibal Lecter. Uh, basically, like, he watched Silence of the Lambs and thought, yeah, you know what, I'm going to play a crazy guy who's locked up so I'm going to totally, why not rip off the best crazy locked up guy there has ever been, right? Makes total sense. He, he was pretty good, though. He's pretty good. Maybe maybe a, a little on the overacting, but in, in, in Wrong Turn 5, I think it's better to overact than it is to act subtly, so I appreciated it. Uh, basically, the story, quote-unquote, is that uh, there's this town in... I don't know where it was, I don't remember, that uh, every once in a year has, every year has a festival, uh, some, what's it called, like the Hillbilly Festival, <laughs> something like the Hillbilly Festival, because this town uh, back in the early 1900s, I guess it was, was sort of totally massacred without a sign of what happened to any of the inhabitants, so now every year they have a they even described it in the movie, sort of a Burning Man, kind of Coachella-like festival, uh, where people dress as hillbillies, and they play music, and rock out, and party, and stuff like that, so, whatever. <laughs> then, of course, the hillbillies from the previous four movies show up. My biggest problem with this movie, <laughs> that I kept saying to the missus, was that these are the goddamn smartest, inbred, deformed hillbillies I've ever seen, because... Like, they're, they have to, they don't have to, but they, they, they cut off this town from everything else. So how do you do that? Of course, these hillbillies who live in the mountains and have, you know, no electricity know that you just have to pull down this cell phone tower. Yes, they know to pull down a cell phone tower in, uh, because, of course, they know that then people won't be able to make cell phone calls to this town. <laughs> they know, of course, that uh, in order to turn off the power, they have to go to the power plant. <laughs> I was expecting them to go and start pushing buttons and being very smart about it. They did, I admit, just go to the power plant and start hitting shit with axes and electrocuted a guy. 
in the in the wires, and that turned off the whole town's power. So a, a couple of points in this, like uh, one of the my favorite hillbilly, the the small one who laughs like uh, maniacally. He was riding a like bulldozer kind of uh, farm equipment thing. My thought there was, how the hell does he know how to drive this thing? It's not just like forward reverse. It's a pretty complicated piece of machinery. So uh, I kept saying that to the missus, and she kept saying that, oh, well, these are the smart version of um, inbred, deformed hillbilly murderers. Ah. So this main hillbilly that is sort of sane, or not sane, uh, sorry, is is not deformed, the Hannibal Lecter type, the leader of the other three, is captured. Oh no. Captured, and then throughout the whole movie is sort of teasing the sheriff and the teens. Of course there's teens. And eventually uh, kills everyone. Yeah, him and his boys, as he calls them, because I guess there's some sort of relation, kills everybody. Oh no. Uh, with the exception of one girl who is blinded by him, just pokes her eyes out. The blind girl then escapes, or rather thinks she escapes. I don't know how she made it, but she made it out of town and was just stumbling along the road saying, help me, help me. She hears a car pull up, and of course, it is not help, but rather the Hannibal Lecter dude picking her up. So one thing, and I think they did this in the last Wrong Turn, in Wrong Turn 4, uh, one thing they do about these movies, which I actually kind of like, because it sort of surprises me for some reason, uh, everyone dies. <laughs> uh, it doesn't happen often in a movie. Every main character, all the, all the men, all the women, just everyone's dead. The end. So uh, I kind of like that fact. <laughs> it's sick of me, I know, but I've mentioned before, on the podcast that I don't like the happy ending. I like the surprise everyone's dead or surprise sad ending. Because you don't usually expect the sad ending. Okay, oh, uh, rating? I'm going to go four. I, 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 I enjoyed it. Freakishly enjoyed it for some. Okay, movie number three is called Intermission. Intermission. Yes, yeah, starring Mr. Colin Farrell. And uh, one of the main reasons I wanted to watch this, well, I like Colin Farrell, I shouldn't say that. Uh, one of the main reasons I wanted to watch it, though, is because also starring Mr. Colmini. <laughs> Strange name. Uh, C-O-L-M-M-E-A-N-Y. Did I spell it right? Well, I definitely spelled the first name right, which is... Is it a Scottish name? I believe he's Scottish. Colm. Who you may know as Chief Miles O'Brien from Star Trek The Next Generation and, more importantly... Deep Space Nine. Uh, he, very, very good actor. Just great actor. I think best example of his acting chops it was an episode of Deep Space Nine where he was, like, uh, locked up for his entire life, basically. Like, uh, locked up in a, in a prison his entire life. However, this experience was did not actually happen in real life. It was sort of um, just put into his brain as a memory, so he remembered being locked up for his entire life, however, you know, only a day had actually passed in real life, that was 
the sort of prison sentence of this world. I forget why what he did, but it wasn't that bad. Uh, yeah, but you really get to see his acting chops in that one, and uh, it was good in this as well. He also he quite often plays, if I do recall, sort of gangstery types. I like it. This movie was was different. It was it was hard to explain <laughs> for me, obviously. Sort of, uh, I don't want to say a crime movie, although there is that, and it's kind of a drama, kind of a crime movie, couple of laughs, uh, sort of a, instead of gender bending, it's genre bending, I guess you could say, because it could fit into quite a few different movie genres. Uh, I did enjoy it, but it was a little confusing just because there was so many characters and so many things going on at once and uh, as I have mentioned from time to time I will 80-90% of the time be playing video games while watching movies or vice versa however you want to say it so perhaps my attention is not where it needed to be in order to fully grasp what was going on in this movie so uh, okay, here's something I've never done before, and this is kind of not fair to the movie, but hey, I am not a professional. I've never said I am a professional. I'm basically just shooting shit out of my brain into your ears, regardless of, well, anything. Uh, I'm going to give the movie a three, however, I think the possibility exists that if I were to watch this movie without playing video games and just focus on it, it may have gotten a four. So, I'll let you decide on that one. Okay, do I have time for one more? No. One? Yeah, we'll just do a quick one uh, before I get to work. A quick as in seconds long. Uh, this movie is called The Examined Life. It is a documentary. Uh, it is... How do I explain this one? Basically, it is this, they just took some modern-day... Uh, philosophers, and each and gave each of them, you know, 10, 15 minutes to talk about things that they believe you could philosophize about. And, uh, and that is your movie. Very interesting ideas popped up during this. I didn't uh, write any down, because that, that's why I thought I could do this movie quick. Um, I kind of think this is a movie that, rather than me explain, would be much, much more beneficial for you to watch yourself if you have any desire to hear uh, various philosophers philosophize about uh, modern things uh, to as sort of deep as the meaning of life. Very, very interesting. I'm going to go... I'm only going to go three out of five, just because I don't think I would watch it again. And that's what I like to use my threes for. Folks, I am... Well, I'm... Uh, dropping the missus's car off to get it fixed. Hmm. And then I gotta walk over to work like a common criminal. Back in eight hours. Love you, dearies. I'm a fool to do your dirty working, working, working. And we're back. We are back. We are back. We are back. We are back. 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 We are back. Back in action. Hello again. Drive home in the missus's car. Ugh. I better uh, goddamn well uh, hurry up a little bit because I meant to do uh, obviously four movies on the drive in and four movies on the drive home. 
but that did not happen. So, oh wait, did I do that? Yeah, I did do that. <laughs> it's because I jumped out of order, so I kind of screwed myself up there. Uh, oh, you know what we should do? Just since I'm in the missus's car, sometimes when I'm in my car, we will play the QQQQ107 radio roulette where I will push the radio and see if we get a song or talking. Sometimes if we get a song, I may sing along. And that rhymes, and you know it rhymes. <sighs> so let's turn on the Mrs.'s radio and see what kind of garbage she is listening to. Here we go. Uh, as I listen to virtually no music post-1979, uh, let's say, I'm not quite sure who that was. I think it might have been, uh, what's that girl's name, um, Drug Overdose, uh, I can't remember, Dark-Haired, uh, Rehab, that one sings that song, Rehab. <laughs> I think I'm kind of showing... Not necessarily my age, because I'm sure 30-year-old people listen to that music, but my lack of current musical knowledge. Um, yeah, I'm not going to get it. That is a combination of me not knowing uh, current music as well as the dreaded name curse rearing its ugly head. So, uh, I guess it is music, so we'll consider it a win. Yeah, there you go. Movie the f fifth. Five, six, seven, eight. Yeah, movie the fifth is Twins. Whenever I hear someone say Twins, the first thing I think of is boobs. However, in this movie, we are, of course, referring to Mr. Danny DeVito and a Mr. Arnold Schwarzenegger. In the classic 80s movie Twins. Lovely. Sometimes you just feel... Yeah, you know what? I, I was surfing around... Uh, Netflix, which this is available on, I should say. Uh, just looking for something to watch. And sometimes this 80s sort of vibe will hit you like a ton of bricks. Like a perhaps ton of chains killing or disabling the bad guy from this movie. Bit of a spoiler there. Oh well. If you haven't seen the movie Twins from the 80s, the odds that you were going to see it soon are probably pretty slim. However, uh, I did warn at the beginning of this episode that there would be spoilers, and that is one of them. This is the story. <laughs> uh, the story. Yeah, let me tell you the story of, of the movie Twins. This is the story how Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger are twins. Biological twins. How does that possibly make sense? Well, you see, uh, there was an experiment done in the whatever it was, 60s or 70s, to combine the semen of six different men, sort of virile, intelligent men, to create a superhuman being. Uh, only one mother, though. So only one egg, I guess, and six sperm. How does that work? Let's just say science or magic. Leave it at that. So this, this creature, this this uh, sort of pinnacle of human achievement and DNA is, of course, Arnold Schwarzenegger, who was then taken and raised on a remote island and taught only the finest of knowledges and given um, 
training and a wide sort of swath of things to make the 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 uh, I don't know quote unquote uh, perfect human being. Okay, then there's Danny DeVito's character, who was I guess sort of the leftovers, the the leavings, and he was birthed from whatever did not go into Arnold Schwarzenegger. Aha. The story is of how Arnold found out he had this brother, then their meeting, and uh, as you can imagine, Arnold never leaving this remote island is uh, sort of suddenly thrust into this scuzzy world of, well, the actual world, and uh, comedy ensues. Uh, it's, you, I, I think for an 80s movie, an 80s comedy movie, you kind of have to be in the mood. If you if you take this movie too seriously, you probably wouldn't uh, enjoy it as much. However, I was in the mood, so I'm going to give it four to five. Yay, the movie Twins. I actually heard, I guess this was maybe months ago or, or something like that, that the possibility exists of a remake, which mm, I don't think is a good idea. So there you go. Who, who could they be? Uh, so who's like really... Uh, how about Ryan Reynolds as Arnold Schwarzenegger? And who's like a little scuzzy kind of guy? Oh, how about, no, uh, instead of going scuzzy, just go short <laughs> and go uh, Peter Dinklage. Huh? Ryan Reynolds and Peter Dinklage in the movie Twins. Aha. Love that thought. Let's get that movie made. Uh, probably going to do a Kickstarter and uh, see what we can do. Come here. Movie the sixth, really piling them in today, is another uh, oldish movie from the 90s, 95 in particular, called The Prophecy. This was a movie that I wasn't sure if I had seen before, and I kind of think I may have bits and pieces. It is starring, well, not starring, but there's a bunch of people in, a bunch of people in it, including Mr. Christopher Walken, which is sort of the primary reason I decided to watch it, because... I don't think, at least off the top of my head, I can think of a movie with Christopher Walken that was bad. Maybe, what's that ping pong one? Even that I enjoyed. It's not the greatest. Balls of Fury. <laughs> Just on the Balls of Fury note, way back, I guess around when that came out, the Mrs. the kind-hearted Mrs. we all know and love, got me a Nintendo DS video game. Ah, very nice of her. She, of course does not know the rule when it comes to video games that if your video game is sort of uh, tied in with a movie, it is not going to be good. That's sort of a, a hard and fast, I can't think of a time where it's not a rule, rule. So in this case, she got me the Balls of Fury Nintendo DS ping pong game. And I could tell you that it was... Uh, I would not have paid 25 cents for it. If it was free on the iPhone um, and I bought it and played it, I still would have been upset. It was that bad. <laughs> I did not say it, that mean to her face, and she doesn't listen to this podcast, so she will never know that. However, uh, <laughs> it's just a steaming pile. Oh, yes, The Prophecy. The Prophecy, of course. Um, this is a weird movie. Very weird movie. Uh, it kind of feels like... Uh, I'm surprised that they made this movie in the 90s. It's... What was that movie with Keanu Reeves? Constantine, I believe it was called. Kind of a little that vibe. Angels versus de demons versus devils. 
uh, yeah, it's kind of a little convoluted story uh, about war between angels and the devil, and actually, sort of the devil in this, who was played by Viggo Mortensen, I should say, was not even really the, the baddest of the bad guys. Uh, the, the baddest of the bad guys, I would say, would be Christopher Walken, who played one of the angels. He played Gabriel. So it was sort of factions within the angels had split apart. Um, some wanted something, some wanted another. I don't know, just kind of very, very strange. Christopher Walken's character needs a sort of really bad, evil soul that he has to capture from Earth. Once he has that, somehow that will tip the scales of the battle, and he will win, and uh, humans will lose. Yeah. Okay? No sense. Basically, not a lot of sense making. For a rating, I'm going to go... Oh, you know what? I, I think we have a special rating for movies such as this. Movies that I think I've seen before, but can't quite remember. I believe we decided to rate those two and a half. Two and a half out of five. So, that is what this is going to get. Because uh, as watching it, there was parts that I remembered seeing. Okay, moving on to... Uh, Ruby Sparks. Hmm. This one I liked. Uh, this one, let's just throw my rating right off the bat. Go four out of five. It is... I don't want to call it a romantic comedy, but it's more of a sort of dark indie, or, yeah, sort of a, a darkish indie, independent, um, little romance, little comedy, little... Fan, not fantasy sci-fi, but maybe a, maybe a little sci-fi-y kind of, sort of, but not really. Again, one of those, uh, I think this is the second time in this episode I've had difficulty sort of defining what genre it would fit into. That is not necessarily a bad thing. That could be a very good thing. Uh, it's a movie about a writer who has writer's block, and his psychiatrist gives him the task to write even if you know what you are writing will be bad. So, uh, I think that's a good idea. Just write and write and write and write, and no matter if it's good or bad, um, I think it can't help but improve your writing. Is that, is that a thought that makes sense? I believe it is. Uh, what he writes is about how he has a girlfriend. Now, in real life, he's uh, basically a loner, uh, keeps to pretty much keeps to himself, uh, no friends, hangs out with his brother and his wife from time to time, doesn't have a girlfriend, uh, sort of a, a sad sack, I think is a good way to look at him. So he writes about this sort of fictional relationship with this fictional girlfriend, who then, of course, comes to life. Yes, what he writes comes to life. This imaginary, written-down girl becomes reality. Aha! So that's where the, uh, I don't know if you'd say sci-fi fantasy for that, but, but non-reality, how about we'll call it. <laughs> then, through sort of a little experiment, he and his brother discover that whatever he writes on his typewriter about his girlfriend will come true. He, so he, basically he create, creates this girl, and then once she is existing in real life, he makes the vow to never type about her again, 
and just sort of live their life together. Now, <laughs> as you can imagine, and it was uh, sort of blatantly obvious in a movie like this, this vow is not going to be kept. Uh, it would be a boring movie if, if that was sort of the end of it, and they live happily or unhappily ever after. No, no, no. He realizes that things are not going great between them, and decided it's to tinker. <laughs> some of the some of the tinkerings involve um, like he just makes her more devoted to him to the point where she cannot leave his side, almost physically unable to. Uh, one point where they're walking, holding hands, he has to answer his ringing phone. Uh, let's go over her hand, and she just sort of has a breakdown at that point because because he let go over hand like that clingy cling cling level cling level ten highest cling level you can achieve eleven on the scale even another thing she gets sort of depressed uh, I forget if that's before or after so he's like uh, and she was always happy and kind of types that down then she's sort of like ridiculously unrealistically happy to the point where she's basically <laughs> unpolitically correct of me to say uh, just kind of a little retarded. <laughs> like, just laughing at, at, at everything. To the point where if she started drooling um, it would be in character. It ends, and I will give away the ending, with him realizing that he loves this girl and the only way he can be happy and have her happy is to let her be herself. So, sort of uh, freeze her, if you will. Sort of reminded me of that that saying, um, what is it, something like, uh, if you love something and set it free and it comes back, then it's really yours. And if it leaves, you were never meant to be. That, that kind of saying. So, he sets her free and, of course never sees her again. No, this is one of the times where it is a happy ending, so she sort of pops back in, not having remembered any of this stuff, and uh, assume they live happily ever after. The end. Okay, last movie. Better hurry through this one a little bit, since I'm almost at home. It's called Girl Model. Hmm, girl Model. This is another documentary. Yeah, I thought I had a couple in, a couple in this, this episode. Uh, it is about the modeling industry, specifically through the eyes of a former model who is now, I guess what you could call a headhunter. Well, uh, maybe not a headhunter. Uh, a model hunter. Not in the sense that she goes out uh, and kills models for sport. No, that is ridiculous. She goes and finds models to recruit them to uh, do modeling jobs. Hey, Specifically, in her case, she will go to, and I don't know if this is 100% of the time, but it sounds like most of the time, she will go to Russia and recruit models to model in Japan. Because apparently Japanese people, I guess men, women too? I don't know, question mark? Have a, have a, a desire to have their models look like sort of, kind of gross, actually, uh, sort of a teen, pre-teen, uh, even pre-pubescent, sort of blonde-haired, blue eyes, doe-eyed, 
uh, girls, and, and not women, really, girls. For example, one of the ones, the main one they followed uh, in this was 16 years old, and I think there were even parts during this whole process that despite being a 16-year-old Russian girl, they were sort of debating whether she looked too old, so that was kind of uh, weird, <laughs> to say the least. Weird and a little gross. Uh, another sort of thing is that this model recruiter sort of was, I, I think, developing feelings of, should I really be doing this? I went through this process and it was horrible. Now I'm doing it to other girls. Because from the sounds of it, this is really just a, a pretty shady business. Like, uh, say you're a young Russian girl who's recruited to model in Japan, and somehow, some way, and this apparently doesn't happen in Japan as much as it does in other places, you end up being in debt and then having to work off that debt that you have accrued while modeling. So a real sort of shady form of slavery and human trafficking, it almost sounds like. And uh, kind of shined a little light on that. Kind of a, a little bit reminded me, and it's obviously not to the degree of the movie Cargo that the missus and I watched. However, I don't know, man. These, uh, these girls better watch themselves because I think they are in for some trouble with a capital trub. Folks, I'm at home. We made it in the missus's car. Yay, that fact. Uh, I will talk to you tomorrow, most definitely. And let me leave off by saying it is nice to be nice to the nice. Thank you for listening. This has been another edition of the Lackadaisical Libra Cubicle Wrist. We here in the Libro Cube would love to hear from you. If for any reason you would like to contact us, you can do so via the email address, mailwood.jordan at gmail.com. And now I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. No, something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come, and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met. Wait till you see that sunshine day You ain't seen nothing yet The best is yet to come and be Won't it be fine? The best is yet to come, come the day you're mine Live long and prosper